Good morning, church. Welcome to our online service today. I hope everyone is doing well at home. And even though we cannot physically gather as a church, we are thankful for technology that we can come together online. Uh, Today, before we begin our worship, let's just spend a few moments in prayer. And I've got some people to help me uh, to pray today. So let's quieten our hearts and come before God in prayer. Alright, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you that you are the God of the big and the small. We thank you that you have a perfect plan for all of us. And dear Father, I just want to thank you that uh, you know we have a house to live in. And for myself, I thank you that I'm in Singapore together with my family during this uh, crisis period. Heavenly Father, we're going to continue to commit uh, the leaders uh, into your hands, uh, whether they be uh, country leaders, company leaders, or leaders or elders of the church. Dear Father, I pray that your godly wisdom be upon them uh, during this period of uh, uncertainty. Help them, dear Father, to make uh, decisions that please you, decisions that that's influenced by your Holy Spirit, where the decisions they made are more focused on the lives and the well-being of uh, their people uh, rather than on politics or on uh, on money. Dear Father, we also want to continue to commit them and their families and their loved ones into your hands. Pray that you build a hedge of protection around them uh, so that they can stay healthy and, and fit during this uh, COVID-19 pandemic. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Dear God, thank you that you have kept us safe during this period of COVID-19. Please clear the COVID-19 soon so that we can go back to church and go back to school and not worry. And Jesus, may I pray. Amen. Dear God, please help the online workers to to be safe and not get the coronavirus. In Jesus' name I pray, Amen. Pray, Jesse. Dear God, please help the kids so they won't get the COVID-19. Amen. Dear God, we pray that today, uh, as we gather online, we pray that you will right now prepare our hearts to worship you. We thank you that we serve a God who is in control, who is sovereign and who is reigning over every circumstance and every situation. We thank you that you are unchanging, that we can trust in you and put our hope in you. So Lord, today we we worship you, we adore you, and we say we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
score for us in our life, that we know that these things will pass and that our God is the only one that will remain faithful and He'll be here for us. And we continue in our time of worship with uh, the Holy Communion. And our Lord Jesus Christ invites all who trust in Him as uh, our Lord and Savior to join us now at the table. And uh, we come to the Holy Communion, uh, not just as individuals, but as a community. Separated physically, no doubt, but uh, united in spirit and in truth before uh, our loving Heavenly Father. And so we come as uh, repentant sinners and we do have a continuing struggle to live holy lives but we have the power of God with us in the Holy Spirit. And so we come to be nourished by every remembrance of Jesus' body broken for us and His blood shed for us. At the Last Supper, the Lord Jesus took bread and when He had given thanks, He broke it and He gave it to His disciples and He said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, He took the cup and after supper, He said, This is the new covenant in my blood. Do this, drink this in remembrance of me. And whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. And so this is what we are going to do. Let's just pray for a short moment. And at this time, we are 
encouraged in the Bible to examine ourselves, that we might present ourselves holy before God with sins completely forgiven and dressed in the cloak of righteousness that the Lord Jesus gave to us. So let's pray. In this few moments, let's just present ourselves authentically before the Lord, acknowledging our weaknesses and our sin for that which is right to do and we do not do, that is sin. And so we ask God for forgiveness that if in any way we have dishonoured Him by our speech and by our, our conduct, we ask for forgiveness. And we ask that the Lord might fill us by His Spirit that we might lead holy lives. And so God, we give you thanks for this bread which gives us such a reminder of your body that was broken physically for us. And we take of this cup also which tells us that your blood was shed for the forgiveness of sins. And we take them both with deep gratitude in our hearts, thanking you, proclaiming your death, your resurrection, until you come. We give you thanks and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's take the bread together and then the wine. So I just feel the things. As we now move on to the next segment of worship, which is an offering. And so the Lord loves a cheerful giver, and we give willingly from a cheerful heart for the ministry of uh, His work in Singapore and beyond, administered by the local church, Pasir Panjang Hill Brethren Church. And we do this uh, electronically, so you can scan uh, this QR code if you wish to give to the church itself or also uh, you may want to give to our community services center which we really look upon as an extended uh, arm of our ministry so take a, a snapshot of that and then you can um, offer to God and when you have done that or if you need to pause to do that, then do so. Let me now just move on to uh, our announcements. Okay, today is uh, Mother's Day. So I want to wish all mothers, or mothers-to-be, uh, a very happy Mother's Day. And may you really have a blessed time filled with uh, thanksgiving before the Lord. Uh, and all of us children, remember, uh, it's not just today. Make sure that we honour uh, our mothers today and every day going forward. Right, prayer meeting. Um, this Wednesday, we're going to be focusing our prayers on our ministry uh, and service in, in Teban Gardens. Um, last Friday, we continue our weekly 
distribution of groceries to over 90 needy families and they are ever so thankful and we are just glad that we are able to do a, a small bit to uh, bring relief and blessing uh, to these families and as we uh, distribute and give out these groceries, uh, fresh groceries of chicken, fish, vegetables. Uh, we also uh, offer to pray with the rest of the residents and, and I believe that every single one of them um, are keen for us to pray for them. So come and join us this Wednesday by, by Zoom and we will be praying that even if it is a lockdown situation but we can continue uh, to bless the community. Uh, next up is uh, our support for our Telugu brothers in our Telugu uh, fellowship. And I think all of us know that uh, every Sunday night, well, before the circuit breaker phase, we have anything from 1890, sometimes uh, over a hundred uh, migrant workers uh, who are Telugu speaking uh, join us uh, in church. And in this period, uh, over a month ago already, they, they do not have overtime pay anymore. And I'm sure all of us know the plight of our migrant workers uh, locked down in uh, dormitories and with a very high percentage of them testing positive for the COVID-19. And thankfully, not that many of uh, our brothers who come to church uh, are infected, but they are locked down. They don't have overtime, which constitute a very large proportion of the pay, anything from 25 to over 100% of their basic salary comes from overtime. And this is for uh, the support of their family. So um, we've taken a good look and, and examined every case. So there are now 72 brothers whom we are supporting financially uh, in April, May and, and June. And we'll see uh, if we need to carry on that in the months ahead, but 72 brothers. And then there were 11 who went back to home leave before the pandemic uh, started. And now they are unable to come back because their, their work permit has been terminated by their employers. And so no job, but stuck in India, 11 of them. And there are also 12 pastors who are in India who whose support came largely from our Telugu brothers who are working in Singapore. So this group of 95 brothers, we want to help. So there are individual cases with slight variations here and there, but I've worked it out. The average financial help that we are giving to each of these brothers, and of course through them, to the families, is about $170 per head uh, per month. And this amount comes from PPH Brethren Church, as well as Care Channels International and also Bartley Christian Church. And you know that our Tulugu brothers also have a Saturday service in Bartley Christian Church. So all in is about like 5,000, 6,000 uh, uh, each from PPH, from CCI and from uh, Bartley Christian Church. And i just like you to know that. And not just for that, but the next slide is not just financial support, we want to give them emotional and spiritual support also. So we're asking for PPH members to be a befriender to our Telugu brothers. What, what does this mean? Um, you sign up in that tinyurl.com uh, uh, slash PPH friend 
and we would like you once you've signed up to make a commitment at least for this circuit breaker phase uh, to call them once a week whether you do whatsapp call or all of them by the way have whatsapp you can text you can call you can do a whatsapp video call as well just call them at least once a week and then just chat and and make friends and inquire about their well-being and especially to to pray uh, for them secondly uh, send a card so for you who have signed up from the church we will send you to your home uh, a care channels a greeting card together with a stamp right so all you need to do is to send a personal greeting and you would have we will give you the name and address and telephone number of course and then you send it to them and they can receive mail at their dormitories and thirdly okay this is optional but i hope that everyone would 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 uh, would, would want to do this as well and that is to to teach uh, conversational english okay so besides praying for them and just asking about their well-being might as well use this time to just engage in conversational english i've been told by pastor danny that all of them can communicate in 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 uh, uh some of them are, are quite limited but they can communicate in english and why not use this time to to teach uh or the, them more uh, conversational uh, english right so sign up in that tiny url quickly because uh the the circuit breaker phase may finish uh, by june and never be extended i hope uh, so get it done quickly we'll send the cards to you you start calling them and just make friends and i hope that after the circuit breaker uh, phase you will continue because by then you would be friends already and you can continue to uh, befriend uh, our Tulugu uh, brothers so can we do that um, right next up is uh, our sermon time and i'm very glad to introduce to you our brother Te Kapo. Kapo is a real estate professional um, working in an international uh, property firm. Uh, but as long as I have known Kapo, he has been an avid and diligent student of the Word, of uh, the Bible. And even now, he is continuing in uh, part-time theological uh, studies. And so, uh, I want to introduce him and have him take over uh, the pulpit to preach from the book of Hebrews, which we are studying uh, at this time. So let's be praying uh, together for a couple. Father God, thank you for your, your word to us. And it is sharp as a, a double-edged sword, uh, penetrating to our motives and also encouraging and building us up um, uh, in, in the word. So I pray for my brother couple, Lord, that you will anoint him and you would use him as your mouthpiece to deliver a word in season to all of us. I pray for all of us too, God, that we would be diligent as students of your word, but also as practitioners of your word, that we might be filled and we might be of loving service to all around us. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, couple, over to you. 
Morning everyone. I find it quite awkward to be talking to a camera, but then it's circuit breaker time, it's a global pandemic, and we're all in lockdown mode. So here we are. Let's read our text this morning from Hebrews chapter 2, uh, taken from the English Standard Version or ESV. Chapter 2 verse 1. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression of disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. And while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Verse 5. For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere, what is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than angels. You have crowned him with glory and honour, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see anything, everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honour because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. Verse 14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Let's try to unpack this chapter into three parts. The first one is beware. Many Bible commentators point out that the first four verses of Hebrews chapter 2 is the first of five warning passages in the book of Hebrews. The first one is in Hebrews chapter 2, what I've just mentioned. The second one is in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. The third is Hebrews 5, verse 11 to chapter 6, verse 12. The fourth is Hebrews 10, 19 to 39. And the fifth is Hebrews 12, 1 to 29. And there's some common themes in all these five passages about the rest of God and the possible failure to enter that rest, about falling away, about unbelief, about deliberately sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, about outraging the Holy Spirit, about failing to obtain God's grace. In other words, 
The big question is, can a Christian lose his or her salvation? Can a Christian lose his or her salvation? I will leave the other more able speakers to deal with this topic in the later parts of this uh, series. For now, listen again to the warning in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. What does it mean to pay close attention? You know, in recent years, there's been a movement uh, towards something called mindfulness. Mindfulness, which means being present in the present, right? Being present in the present moment. Before the circuit breaker uh, mode was um, enforced, when workplaces were still open, my family and I often tried to have uh, dinner together at home at least two, three times a week during the weekends, a weekday, sorry. And we have a rule that during dinner, we cannot look at our mobile phones. But sometimes, even without my mobile, my mind is absent or my, having, or my family is having a conversation during dinner. I would be thinking about this morning's message. I'll be thinking about my work. I'll be thinking about a problem, an issue that I'm facing with a colleague. Um, and my daughter, Hannah, would just sometimes test me and ask, what did I just say, Dad? And very often, I look at her quite stunned and stumped. I wasn't paying attention. My body was there, but my mind wasn't. My mind is full, but I'm not mindful. I heard a talk by a guy called Jeff Klein, um, some kind of a psychologist, I think. And the TED Talk, it's a TED Talk. The TED Talk is entitled, How the Power of Attention Changes Everything. Jeff Klein says that paying attention deepens our sense of connection to things and to people. And he gave an example of a program that was developed to help smokers quit smoking. How does the program help? By simply getting the smokers to pay close attention to the experience of smoking. How the smoke enters into our nostrils, the smell, the awful smell, the nicotine that sinks into our lungs. And after a while, as you pay careful attention to all the feelings and the sensations of smoking, smoking doesn't become as fun as it was after all. Doesn't seem as fun as it was after all. Pay close attention. Your life might change. My life might change. So beware. Secondly, because. So what is it that we must pay close attention to? Verse 3 tells us that we must pay close attention to the message of great salvation. Why? Hebrews tells us there are three reasons. Firstly, because we may drift away from what we have heard. We may forget, we may get sidetracked, we may be like the seed in Jesus' parable that fell on soil, hard soil, and the devil comes and snatches the word of God away. Or we may be like the seed that fell on poor soil where the roots do not grow deep enough and which will wither away during dry season. Or we may be like seed that fell on good soil and the seed grows, but guess what? It gets choked by the weeds which also grow alongside the seed. We must pay close attention so that we do not drift. Secondly, we pay close attention because of who the messenger is. You know, there's a little conjunction in uh, the beginning of chapter one, uh, chapter 2, verse 1. 
Therefore, therefore we must pay close attention to what we have heard. And the therefore refers us back to chapter 1 of Hebrews. And chapter 1 says that in the past, it was the prophets and the angels that God sent to declare his message. But now, today, it is the Son who is God's mouthpiece. And the Son is not just an angel. He is God himself, superior to any man and every angel. And because of who he is, the message that he carries brings far, or the, the message that he brings carries far, far more weight than the message carried by the angels. And what is the message carried by the angels? It is the law of Moses given by God at Mount Sinai. How do we know that? Two passages from scripture. One is Acts chapter 7, verses, uh, verse 53. You who have received the law that was given through angels, but have not obeyed it. Those words were spoken by the deacon Stephen as he made his defense in front of his accusers, the Jewish accusers, before he was stoned. Second passage from Galatians chapter 3, verse 19. Why then was the law given at all? Paul says, it was added because of transgressions until the seed, referring to Jesus, to whom the promise referred had come. The law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. Any disobedience of the law brought punishment. Let me give you two examples from scripture. The first is from Joshua chapter 7. Achan, one of the Israelite soldiers who took part in the campaign against Jericho. And it was a successful campaign. But during the campaign, Achan saw a beautiful cloak and some silver and gold belonging to the people of Jericho. He coveted them in his heart and secretly kept them for himself, thinking that no one would know. But God knew, and God had clearly commanded Israel that everything in Jericho had to be completely destroyed. And so Joshua 7.1 says that because of Achan's disobedience, the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. The anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. And so they lost 36 men in battle against the man of Ai. And the disobedience of one man, Achan, brought judgment and punishment on the whole nation. Second example, Leviticus chapter 10. Two guys, Nadab and Abihu. They were both sons of the high priest Aaron. Of all people, they should know better. But no, they offered what the scripture says, unholy fire on their own senses to the Lord in a way that did not follow the prescribed procedure set up by Moses in Exodus chapter 30, verse 9. And they were immediately consumed by fire that came from God's presence. The punishment for disobedience was swift, was strict, and it was deadly. And now Hebrews chapter 2, verse 2 tells us if violation of the law of Moses declared by the angels brought such serious punishment like in the case of those three guys, Achan, Nadab, and Behu, how much more seriously will God punish those who ignore the salvation which the Son brings? And so this is the first warning in Hebrews. We must pay close attention to the message of salvation. Secondly, we must pay close attention because it was confirmed supernaturally. The message proclaimed by Jesus was validated by signs and wonders that Jesus himself performed while he was on earth. He restored the sight to the blind. He made the lame walk. 
He stopped the bleeding of a hemorrhagic woman. He raised the dead man Lazarus. He cast out demons. He calmed the raging storm on the Sea of Galilee. And most of all, he rose from the dead. The message was also confirmed by the gifts of the Holy Spirit of the disciples gathered in Jerusalem on Pentecost. And those gifts continue down through the centuries up to today, to all of us. And these are the visible signs that the message of Jesus is real and we ignore it at our own peril. In other words, don't blame blame. And thirdly, so we beware, it's because of, and finally, he became. Verses 5 to 18. So what are these 14 verses saying in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 5 to 18? Just forward to summarize it. He became like us. He became like us. To help us get some understanding of this particular set of verses, let me set out those verses in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 6 to 9, like this in a table form. You see it in the slide. And incidentally, these verses um, from Hebrews chapter 2, verses 6 to 9 were quoted from Psalm 8. Right? So you see on the screen, on the slide, two columns. The first column on the left is about man. The second column is about the son of man, Jesus. Verse 7, you can see from top of the left column, you made him a little lower, sorry, you made him for a little while lower than the angels. And then the second, uh, the second row, you crowned him with glory and honor. And verse 8, you put everything in subjection under his feet, but we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. And on the right side, the right-hand column, verse 9, second part of verse 9, who for a little while was made lower than the angels. And you can see the parallel. The first part, in uh, uh, verse 7, you made him a little lower than the angels. Jesus, for a little while, was made lower than the angels. Second part of verse 7, you crowned him with glory and honor. The right column, verse 9, Jesus crowned with glory and honor. Verse 8, putting everything in a subjection under his feet, but we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. Verse 9, but we see him. So, what are these verses saying? In summary, it's saying this. Same, same, but different. Same, same, but different. God and man at the same time. He is God, but he's also like one of us. So, so what, you ask? So what? What does, that, what does that do? How does that help us? Well, it helps us in many ways. First of all, he helped us to regain our lost dominion. He helped us to regain our lost dominion. When God created the first man and woman, he gave them the right to rule over his creation. You read that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. But as we see from the table that I just showed you in the previous slide, Hebrews 2 chapter 8, he, sorry, Hebrews 2 verse 8 says, we do not yet see everything under his feet. So God gave man the right to rule, but the reality was quite different for now. What we see now is not dominion given to man, but destruction caused by man. The whole earth has been ransacked by deforestation, by industrialization, by urbanization that drove 
wildlife from the natural habitat and cause diseases to jump from animals to humans. That one we know very well during this period. I'm not an environmental activist like Greta Thunberg, but I'm sure you would have um, been, would have seen on social media video clips and all kinds of um, uh, YouTube uh, stories of how the coronavirus, which incidentally, each particle of the coronavirus is only 90 nanometers or 90, but one billionth of a meter across in diameter. What that coronavirus, small it is, as it is, has done in the last two months, what no corporation, no country, no government could do in the last 20 years. And that is to clear the air of pollution, to reduce carbon emissions, to reverse the effects of coral bleaching, and to let animals and fish reclaim some of their natural habitats and otters spotted near Mustafa Center. In fact, someone wrote that we human beings are actually the virus and COVID-19 is the cure. Okay, maybe a bit too drama to put it that way, but you get the point. But thanks be to God, thanks be to God, destruction is not the end. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 9, but we see Jesus. So Jesus is God's answer to man's dilemma and God's solution to our failure to fulfill the original intention for man to rule. To Jesus Christ became man that he might suffer and die for man's sin and restore the dominion that he lost. And when the Lord was on earth, he exercised that lost dominion. How did he do it? He had dominion over the fish in the sea when he told Simon Peter to drop the net into a certain part of the lake and the catch was so huge, his net almost burst. You read that in Luke chapter 5. He had dominion over the sea again when he calmed the storm on the lake of Galilee. And he had dominion over the wild animals that did not harm him when he was in the wilderness tempted by Satan. You read that in Mark chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. And so Jesus enabled us, man, to regain that dominion that God intended us to have. Not now, not yet, but soon in the new creation that is coming. Well, not only did he help us to regain our lost dominion, he disarmed Satan and delivered us from death. You know, Satan is the author of sin. John chapter 8, verse 44. And sin brings death. Romans chapter 2, verse 23. And Satan cleverly uses the fear of death as a weapon to gain control over the lives of people. And Hebrews chapter 2, verse 15 tells us that Christ delivered us from the fear of death, a fear that enslaves us. I read a story about um, told by uh, the late John Wimber. Um, John Wimber was the founder of the Vineyard Movement in the USA, I think in California, I think. And he was the one who popularized the idea that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are still with us. And not just still with us, but very much needed in the church today. He taught a course, a heavily oversubscribed course at Fuller Theological Seminary called Science, Wonders and Church Growth. And he is a strong advocate of healing prayer, powerful healing prayer, power evangelism. He's an advocate of tongues and what we will call the charismatic gifts of the Spirit. And he told a story of a lady by the name of Margie Morton, who had advanced brain cancer. John Wimber had been praying for Margie for some time. And during one occasion when he was praying, 
He sensed God was telling him, John, you taught Margie how to live. Now you must teach her how to die. And for a man who is strongly advocating healing prayer, expecting powerful miracles, this was a shock to him. But he obeyed and he told Margie that she should not undergo further treatment for her cancer, but instead spend her remaining days at home with the family. So Margie did exactly that, even though she was known to be a fighter. One day, Margie knew that it was time. So she told her family, her husband and the children that she needed to go to the hospital. Her children and family gathered around her and prayed for her. And as they left, they said, we'll see you tomorrow, mom. And she responded, "Mm, you won't find much of me. And that evening, she took a shower, put on a brand new nightgown. The nurse happened to come in just as she was getting back in bed and said, my, my, how pretty you look. You're all dressed up to go someplace. Where are you going? And Margie replied, I'm going to meet my king. And then she died. You know, the infection numbers seems to be falling. And that's a very encouraging sign. But the government tells us, don't be complacent. COVID-19 has been particularly fatal to the elderly, as you can see from this chart. And as you read from the statistics that we know every day. And a new news headline from Reuters screams, Coronavirus spreads fear, isolation, death to elderly worldwide. This pandemic sharpens our fears of sickness and dying. No one is spared, really. But we who trust in Jesus have once and for all been delivered from Satan's authority and from the fear of death. So death is just a door for us to enter to meet our King. By his humanity, he was and still is a sympathetic high priest. While he was here on earth as a man, Jesus experienced all the infirmities of human nature, except that he was without sin. He knew what it was to be a helpless baby, a growing child, maturing adolescent. He knew the experiences of weariness, hunger, and thirst. He knew what it was to be despised and rejected, misunderstood, to be lied about and falsely accused. He experienced physical suffering and death. All of this was a part of his training, quote-unquote, for his ministry as our high priest. When we who have been saved and are tempted to sin, he is ready to help us. He was tempted like we are, but no temptation ever conquered him. And because he has defeated every enemy, including death, he is able to give us the grace that we need to overcome temptation. So what does all this mean? How does all this apply to us? I want to go back to the first warning that we started this message with, and that's in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? How does one neglect something? Verse 1 talks about drifting, of course. And that's what a piece of tree branch or a leaf or a styrofoam box would do in the Singapore River or Kalang River or in the sea along the beach. It floats. It floats. You don't need to do anything. 
You don't need any life. You don't need any motion. You need to do nothing and you will just float by. And if you don't pay careful attention to the word of God, to the message of salvation, you and I are neglecting what the Bible is saying and we will float by and drift away. There is no standing still. As John Piper says, the life of this world is not a lake. It's not a nice, calm lake set against the majestic snow-capped mountains like those you see in Switzerland. No, it's a raging river and it's flowing in one direction, downwards and downwards to destruction. If you do not listen earnestly to Jesus and consider him daily and fix your eyes on him hourly, then you will not stand still. You will go backwards. You will float by. And Jesus himself told his disciples this warning in Matthew chapter 7, verse 14. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Those who find it are few. You can set your bearings right at the start of a journey, but you can lose your way. You have heard it before, said many times, I'm sure. It's not how we start, it's how we end that truly matters. So what are some possible signs of drifting, of having lost our way? You know them, but let me suggest a few to you. Firstly, my sense of wonder begins to to wane. My sense of wonder begins to wane or to dissipate. Hebrews 2 calls the message of the gospel so great a salvation. And the Son of God nailed to the cross for my sins. The The love of God, our Father, who reached down from heaven to us while we were still sinners, the gift of the Holy Spirit who lives in us and guides us and empowers us to become victorious in our Christian lives. When that message no longer grips my heart, seizes my mind, controls my action, or directs my path, I'm drifting. Secondly, I'm drifting when my awareness of God's nearness becomes history or has become history. The closeness, the intimacy with God, the joy in prayer, the worship I once knew and enjoyed is now a distant memory. Like the church in Ephesus that we read in Revelation chapter 3 that we heard on the Sunday sermon a few weeks ago, I had lost my first love. Thirdly, I'm drifting when having started strongly in my walk with Christ, we brought enthusiasm, with zeal for God, with joy in sharing the good news with family and friends, with eagerness for prayer and fellowship, I lose momentum. Work, family, Netflix, social media, Korean drama shows, hobbies, my khakis, other distractions creep in and slowly I get sidetracked. I stop attending church. I pray less often. The Bible becomes boring. I care little or not at all that my loved ones might be heading for a lost eternity without Christ. I might even be ashamed to admit to my friends and colleagues that I am a Christian. And finally, I'm drifting when I lose my joy and importantly, my gratitude for all that God has done for me and continues to do for me. Keeping me and my loved ones well during this time of COVID, providing food and shelter at a time when there are homeless people out there and amidst the many overlooked and underappreciated migrant workers in our midst 
away from their families, locked down in their own dormitories with a dozen other people who might or might not be infected with the virus, living in constant fear and boredom, as some of us have heard from Pastor Danny on Wednesday night during the prayer meeting. And Hebrews is a stern warning. We must pay close attention to the message of Jesus, to be mindful and present with God, because if we don't, we may drift and risk neglecting so great a salvation. I'm going to close in prayer. I have um, put up on the slides uh, two questions that maybe you and your cell group members or family members might want to take a look at and have some discussion over after this is over. I'm going to close right now and I ask, I'd like to ask all of us to just uh, close our eyes in prayer and um, reflect a little bit on what we have heard this morning, um, what we read in Hebrews chapter 2 about the warning, about being, about being careful, being, uh, paying close attention to the message of salvation and um, taking stock of our own individual Christian lives and the life of our family members, our cell group, and our PPH as a church as a whole. Whether or not we have been paying close attention, whether or not we have been neglecting the great salvation that Jesus has given to us, whether or not we have allowed ourselves to drift when we do not know it, when we realize it, we just begin to understand that we have drifted so far from Him. So I just want to give us a few moments right now in your own personal time with the Lord and I'll close in about 30 seconds. Heavenly Father, we just want to give thanks to you for your love and your mercy upon us all during this time of circuit breaker, during this time of the pandemic. Lord, we know that it is by your mercy that we are where we are. We are alive. We have breath. And so we want to live our lives in gratitude for all you've done. And yet we also know that it's so easy to drift away from you. It's so easy to lose sight of what you have accomplished through our Lord Jesus Christ because the familiarity sometimes breeds contempt and we forget that we owe you our very lives. Help us, Father, during this time of COVID. Help us to understand the message of Hebrews applied to each and every one of us. Help us to take stock. Help us to watch out for those warning signs so that we do not drift from the truth so that we do not drift from the great message of salvation that you have given to us. And now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with every good and that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight to Jesus Christ to win the glory forever and ever. Amen.